Thank you for joining us in our week series. Important story ever told. I'm Barb Cash. My claim to fame around here is I'm the first lady. <laughs> Whatever that means. Um, but in two weeks, I'm going to be 59. And I have to say that there's some things that have really surprised me as I get ready to enter this final year in my 50s. It's surprising to me that you can go to bed and feel great, and you can wake up in the morning with an injury. <laughs> that happened while you were sleeping. It happened to Tim this week. He woke up one morning and said, I hurt my shoulder last night while I was sleeping, and he had to rehab it all week. So that's a little surprising to me. It was surprising to me what was under all that hair color all those years. <laughs> it's a little shocking. But probably the thing that has been the most surprising to me is how many things I still don't understand. I thought when I got to be this age that I would have more answers than questions. But on any given day, I can really actually have more questions than answers. And I think it's because when we're young, we think that we have life all figured out and, uh, you know, life is pretty predictable. But the older you get, you realize life is actually very, very fragile and very unpredictable. And one of the things that I really don't understand is how we can have a loved one who is critically ill and we can pray fervently for them. And we can have all our friends and, and people praying fervently for them. And sometimes God gives us a yes to our healing prayers, and they're healed here on earth. And sometimes he gives us a yes, and they're healed to heaven. And the second yes does not feel like a yes at the time. It feels like a big, fat no. But the one thing I have learned in all these years is that God is good and he is trustworthy no matter what your yes looks like. And in October of 2021, sorry, I'm standing in front of you. October of 2021, um, many of us in this room, we started praying for Amy Reach. And she was critically ill. She was in the ER at, um, I mean, she was in the ICU at Emory. And she experienced what they believe was four brain bleeds. And I was with her when she experienced one of them. They say it was the worst one that she had. And um, one minute I was standing by her bed, putting a cold cloth on her head, talking to her. And the next minute the room was full of medical personnel and I was pressed up in the corner. And God, in his mercy, chose to give us a yes and heal Amy here on earth. And it's not because she's more special or God, because God loves her any more than he loves anybody whose yes was to be healed to heaven. But we're deeply grateful to the Lord that his yes was that she would stay with us. And so she's going to share with us this morning not only her journey of physical healing, but of emotional and mental healing because they went through a lot and her family went through a lot. It was hard on Kevin watching his wife. I mean, she was in a coma for weeks. She was in the hospital from October 6th until December 17th. And a lot of that time she remembers nothing about. And so we're just excited to have you. Well, thank you guys. Listen, I'm just so appreciative that you would come to hear my story because my story is one 
And if I had to title it, I would title it, But God, right? Because my life has been nothing but, but God and everything that has happened to me in my life. I was very fortunate um, that I was born into a family that from the time my head popped out of my mama's womb um, till then, we were taught about the love of Jesus. But just because we had Jesus in our lives, our lives were not easy. Life happened. I've had so many things, so many broken roads and dreams. And as Romans talks about, when you go through struggles, struggles produce perseverance. And perseverance um, develops hope, right? And I am so fortunate to be loved by Jesus who loves me with a perfect love. A perfect love that um, I don't even know how he loves me at times, right? Um, because we're human and we don't. Um, always do the things that we're supposed to do, but I am so fortunate, and I am a living, walking testimony to what God can do in a life um, with all the, the things that have gone on in my life, and I could spend days telling you stories of things that have gone on with me and my family, but that's not what's important. What's important is that you understand that there is a God that loves you far beyond anything you can ever experience and he will get you through that and one of the scriptures that I have always um, clung to during this this season but many seasons before that is the the scripture in Isaiah where it talks about that when you go through the fire God's not going to let you get burned when you go through the waters you're not going to drown and you know it's it's one of those things that I have witnessed that throughout my entire life. And what I will tell you that has been so important to me is to see the hand in God of God in every aspect of my life and every detail leading up to this particular event in my life, the people, this church, the community that God orchestrated to put in my life to be a major um, part of this story. So it's not just my story, it's a lot of people's story and how there were people in this community, in this church, in other churches in Georgia, high schools that were putting on prayer vigils for me, people across the country. Tim held a um, prayer vigil at my company, um, which a lot of times you're not allowed to bring religion into to work, right? But he did it. And the amount of people that were praying for me, people I didn't even know. And it states, right, in scripture that God will hear those fervent prayers. And to do that, and I am so humbled and so thankful that those prayers were prayed for me because I know that that's why I'm here today. But I also know that when it states in in Mark, and it talks about how Jesus said, with men, things are not possible, but with God, all things are possible. And I have clung to that in my entire life, no matter what situations we have been through. That is, that is something that I've clung to, and he has never left me or forsaken me. And it does say in the Bible, I think, and Tim, you didn't clarify that, I'll have to, but somewhere over 365 times in the Bible, it says, do not fear. And so for me, my life has not been perfect, believe me, and I haven't always done everything that, that I should have done. But what I do know is that I have a perfect God who has perfect love for me and has carried me through every aspect of my life. And so the story, this last story, which is a miracle, is it, it, there's multiple miracles, right? And in the fact that 
um, you know, I can't do anything normal. So my, my brain bleed um, was special is what they told me because it wasn't a normal aneurysm, right? Um, it was a blister aneurysm. And so from the time that the event happened um, until I got to Emory, there was miracle after miracle after miracle of how God's hand was in every detail of what happened to me, down to the fact that that when I was at home and laying in bed and, and needed to go to the bathroom and told my son to go get Kevin, the fact that he was there when I passed out um, from the aneurysm, because the doctor said, hey, if you had hit the tile floor, you would have died, because most people die when they hit their head on the tile floor from an aneurysm. And he said, so the fact that your husband was there to catch you, and the way that everything just worked, right? So just as a quick synopsis, right, of what we went through, I had four brain bleeds, some that were three grades, some that were four grades, those kinds of things. Um, I had a collapsed lung, because when they took me to the hospital and they put in um, something to do the CAT scan, they nicked my right lung and caused my lung to collapse. So I had to have a, um, a lung tube put in, which I shared in the earlier service was the absolute worst pain I have ever experienced in my life. I've had two children and nothing compared to that. Um, but what I will tell you that it taught me was when I was going through that because they put it in and got it in wrong and had to pull it back out and do it again. Um, what I kept thinking is, is that I have a Jesus that endured this kind of pain and more to save me so I can survive this, right? That was what was going through my head, and, and I was just praying. And listen, I'm not a screamer, but I did scream in that hospital that day, and I apologized to the, to the um, students that were doing my lung tube, and I said, I'm so sorry, but I cried out to Jesus to just get me through it, and all I could think about was the pain that he endured for me because I'm not worth it, but he loves me that much that he endured that plus more, right? So, um, you know, we get through the, the couple of brain bleeds. Another miracle that happened was the fact that when we got to Emory, since I had a blister aneurysm, it needed a special procedure that only five to six people in the United States had ever um, performed because this particular device that was needed in my brain was actually developed out of Europe. And... Um, it just so happened that the one neurosurgeon that was on call that night happened to be one of the doctors that had performed that surgery. And so there again, that's just the detail of how God looked after me in every aspect of everything and how those doctors and nurses, that's their calling in life, right? But the love that they showed me and some people um, probably didn't even have a faith, and I'll tell you why. Um, when I went back for my angiogram, um, which I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's where they go up through your, your artery to look into your brain while you're awake. And the doctor came in, the, one of the neurologists that worked on me all the time, and he said, do you remember anything about what you went through on your bleeds, especially the worst one that you had, which is a grade four? And I said, I don't remember a whole lot because I was out of it. Um, and he said, but what you don't, realize is that you and your husband and your sister, because that's another miracle, they allowed my husband and my sister and Barb and Tim in the hospital during the COVID period where they weren't letting anybody in. Um, and so I was very fortunate to have 
um, around-the-clock people in and out of my room loving on me and praying for me and talking over me, telling me I could hear people but I couldn't respond when I was in the coma. So that was so critical. Um, it was like I was in the twilight zone. Um, but anyway, and he said to me, you don't realize how famous that you and your sister and your husband are. He said, because after we had worked on you for several hours, um, I came up to share with your, your husband how critical your situation was, and I told him, I drew the short stick because I was the one that had to come tell um, your husband that, and he said, I looked at him and said, I want to show you some pictures of her brain. It's completely flooded, and I want to share with you what um, that means and that kind of thing, and he said, your husband looked at me and said, I don't want to see the pictures. He said, because you don't know how many people are praying for my wife, and you don't know the God that we serve, and you don't know how stubborn she is. <laughs> so you get back downstairs, and you do whatever you have to do to bring her back to me. And he said, you have no idea what that did for us, because I was able to go back down to that team of doctors and nurses and tell them that there was a higher power that was guiding us through that. And he said, a lot of doctors and nurses, a lot, not all, um, don't really have a faith. They believe in medicine versus a higher power. And he said, you don't know what that did for us. And he said, um, so you guys are famous in that way. And he said, your, you know, your husband looked at me and said, can you give me a percentage? Because I'm a man of percentages. And he said, I told him you had a 10 to 15% chance of survival. He said, but Amy, you, it was more like five. You are one sick lady. And he said, it just is amazing the story to see you. He said, because not only are you a miracle that you're here and that people were praying for you, he said, you should be brain dead because when you have that many bleeds and that blood is on your brain for that amount of time, you should have some sort of brain damage, which is still debatable, by the way. <laughs> um, but I am just, I'm just humbled, humbled by the fact that through every aspect of everything that went on during this story, that God was a part of every detail. And he loved me to the degree that he loved me. He loved my husband. My husband, it's a story of surrender for him. Um, I had been in the coma um, for quite some time, and he, you know... It, just just went through so much, right? And he was scared, and my kids were scared, and my family didn't know what to do. And it wasn't until Kevin got to a point of where God and the Holy Spirit got a heart of his heart, you know, his heart, and he said, Amy, I prayed, and I said, you know, God, I surrender. If you need Amy more in heaven, then we need her here. Take her. And that's surrender, guys, right? And I apologize for getting emotional, but it just humbles me so much because my God chose that my answer would be yes here on earth. I don't know what he has in store for me. I know he's writing my Acts 29 chapter. And all I know is that I want every word that comes from my lip to drip of the love of Jesus Christ because I know for a fact that I am here because of my Savior and the fact that there is more that he wants me to do. But, you know, there are so many other miracles that ha happened during that time when Tim and Barb were there. They came in, and Barb, as she shared with you, was in the room with me. And 
and Kevin and Tim had gone for a walk um, at 6 o'clock in the morning. And as you can imagine, during October and November, right, it's dark at that time in the morning. So they were walking down a path that Kevin said that he ventured down every day when he needed a quick break to get out of the room and get some fresh air. And they went, I don't know how long you guys had been gone, but um, I had the worst brain bleed. And, and Barb called Tim and told him, hey, um, y'all need to get back. And um, so Kevin said, okay, I'm going to take off. And he took off running. And he just started running down this path that he had been down for, for probably weeks at the time. And um, he got lost because we're at Emory downtown. You know, they have the university and all that kind of stuff. And he got lost. And he got to a um, parking deck. And there was a lady there. And he said, can you please point me in the right direction of how to get back to the emergency room? And she pointed. So he took off again. And... Um, he ended up in the middle of the university system where dorms and stuff were, and he said the sun was coming up. And there as he came up in the middle of the courtyard was this young boy who was Middle Eastern, and he was standing there with a backpack on his back, and he said, can you please tell me how to get to the emergency room? I need to get to the emergency room. And the guy just dropped his backpack and said, follow me. And he ran Kevin all the way back to the emergency room. And when Kevin got there, he turned around and he said, what's your name? I want to thank you. And he said, there's no need for you to thank me. Just get inside and take care of your wife. And Kevin said, Amy, I never once told him who I was there for. And he said, that was a miracle in and of itself because I was scared. I was lost. I had no one to tell me where to go. And I didn't know if I was going to see you again. But the one thing I do know right, is through this whole experience, Kevin never faltered in praying for me. Every time something would come in from a, um, a, a massive situation, we'd take one step forward and two steps back with everything that happened, he would ask to pray with the doctors and nurses over me before they touch me. And I know that in and of itself, because in talking to the nurses, right, um, that meant a lot to them. And in between the pipeline procedure and um, that bleed, um, I had asked Kevin to find the song that Teresa and Nick um, just sang to you. And the part about it was being too dark to see him and for him to hold on to me, that was something that just kept going over and over. And I played that song over and over and over till finally <laughs> the ICU nurse came in. She goes, are you not tired of that song yet? <laughs> And I said, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. You probably are, but I need it right now. And they were wonderful. They never once um, ever made me do something that, that um, I didn't want to do. And so that song meant so much to me. Um, and another song that, that we'll send, sing at the end about let me tell you about my Jesus. Because my Jesus can do all things. It says in the scriptures that he can do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you can pray for. And you know, for my life, that is a testimony, a testimony to everything. And another miracle that happened um, was that after going through the brain bleeds and the, the collapse lung, um, it got to a point where um, being on the ventilator, I was drowning from the fluid that was around and in my lungs. And so they told Kevin that it was imperative that they get me off the ventilator and more than likely they were going to have to do a tracheotomy. And they had tried two times before 
when he was not there and it didn't work. So he asked him, can you just give me one, 24 hours and let me have people praying specifically um, for what needs to take place. And I'm so thankful for this church and for the community and the, just the entire area, the schools that held prayer vigils for me, my coworkers, who a lot of them, if you know my, my industry, um, don't have a faith and the fact that they, they prayed which I'm hoping through all of this, they see something different for their lives. Um, and so all of the prayers were happening, and so they told Kevin they were going to do it at a certain time. So he came in, and they said they would do it in the room as opposed to taking me back down to the OR. And so they had the team that was going to be taking the ventilator out, and they had the team that was going to have to perform the tracheotomy. But they let, again, another miracle, um, they let Kevin be in the room. And he asked them, could he pray with them before they did it? And um, they said yes. They couldn't say no. They were making him sign all this paperwork. And he said, if you're going to make me sign paperwork that says I'm not going to hold you accountable if she dies, you're going to listen to my prayers. <laughs> and so um, anyway, so he um, prayed with them like he always did. Um, and so he said that they gathered around and they pulled the, the ventilator out. And he said, Amy, he said, you just would never imagine. He said, you took this horrible gasp like you were, you were dying and couldn't breathe. And all of a sudden, as I was praying and saying, breathe, Amy, breathe, you just started coughing and coughing and coughing. Um, and he said that they, you know, just my lungs, I mean, he said it was a a huge gallon beaker full of stuff that where I was drowning from my lungs. And he said, you should have seen that room. It was like we had just won the Super Bowl because every doctor and nurse in that room were high-fiving and crying. And they finally, one of the doctors who Kevin said, um, she was a lady and she was very matter-of-fact, didn't have a lot of... Um, it's not that she didn't have empathy. She just does it every day. And when you do it every day, you get desensitized, I think, sometimes to... Um, the hurt and the pain that people go through and all of that. And um, he said, she looked at me and said, finally, I think she's going to make it. I think she's going to make it. And Kevin said, I know she's going to make it. She's stubborn. <laughs> so he kept telling everybody it was stubborn, so I guess I am. Um, but anyway, it just, my story is such a story of God's love and his faithful not, faithfulness, not just for me, but for my husband and my children and my mom, because my mom lives with us, and bless her heart, she kept everything going at the house with the kids while Kevin and my sister Gina could be there, and then my sister Vicki and my brother Alan would come and, and help my mom. And I just am so humbled by the love that Jesus has for me, but this community and this church, because I truly believe that prayer is so critical. Um, to your life. And it says in the Bible, if anybody is hurting or anybody is, is um, not doing what they need to do, that you need to pray. That should be the first thing. I remember it was in a sermon that Tim gave that prayer should be the first thing that you do. Always go to the Father and make your requests known. Now, I can't promise that he's always going to answer things the way that we want them to, but I can promise you this. He will answer it. And his answer for you is far greater than even how you can pray. That has been a testimony of my life since the day <laughs> I was born, basically. And, you know, I just cannot say enough about how thankful I am 
that my Jesus loves me just like he loves you. So if there is a doubt in your mind today, don't doubt because I'm a living, walking testimony to how God can do things that man says cannot be done. So thank you and just know that Jesus loves you and he's got a perfect love for you that no human, no matter how much you think a human can love you, Jesus loves you more. And I so appreciate that you guys would listen to my story and that you would pray for me the way that you've prayed for me.